Back to Basics, a complete Back to Basic program recorded live during the Back to Basic study by Tim B. Hey guys, Tim, alcoholic. Hey, Tim. All right, we're into the good stuff now. So uh, this is where we actually uh, separate our talking from our action. We switch from using the word uh, of um, faith as a noun into the word of trust or dependence, which is a verb. Steps four through nine is all stuff you do, not stuff you chit chat about, right? So tonight is the first night that we're gonna actually um, touch the fourth step sheets. On everybody's seat should be three sheets. We have resentments, um, we have resentments, fears, and sex conduct slash harms. Is there an extra set of sheet back there someplace? There's some seats not taken, I see. Could somebody send up one set, please, to my friend Tina here? Okay, great. Okay, so we are on the bottom of page 63, last two lines of page 63. Tonight, we're going to learn how to fill out these three sheets. Some people, you'll see also, they'll do this as four sheets. They'll do sex conduct as one, and they'll do all other harms on another one. I couldn't quite reconcile that with the big book. So since it's a big book interpretation, I stuck with it. I've done it both ways. If you did it, whatever way you do it is fine. Okay. Page 63, bottom two lines. <clears throat> Remember last week we took the third step prayer. Soon as we finished the prayer, what does it say to do? Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action. The first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision, third step, was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect. In other words, it will go away unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. Those are steps four through nine. We get rid of whatever is blocking us from the spirit in steps four through nine. And step three will have little permanent effect unless you do steps four through nine. Our liquor was but a symptom. So we had to get down to causes and conditions. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. We considered its common manifestations, selfish, self-centered, self-pity, self-delusion, self-something. That is what's caused our failure. 
Liquor was but a symptom. Resentment is the number one offender. Numero uno. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. For we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. So often we talk about the doctor's opinion as a twofold disease, mental, physical. It's just as acceptable to talk about it as a threefold disease, mental, physical, spiritual. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. So in other words, it's saying we only have to worry about steps four through nine right now to get ourselves right spiritually and everything else will fix itself. Just set it right there. Only worry about the trying to elicit a spiritual awakening or a spiritual experience. Even if you're not completely on board with the God thing, just be willing to allow the thing to germinate. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. I just ask if everybody would look at the resentment sheet. So everything on these sheets comes directly from the big book. And I would just like to show you exactly where it is. You'll notice on that resentment sheet, column one says, <clears throat> we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. So let's look in the big book. What's the next sentence say? We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. That's column one. Who are you resentful at? What does resentment mean? To re-feel. So when you're home at night staring at the ceiling and you're cursing Joe, that's a resentment. If you're angry with Joe or you're going to get Joe or you wish Joe harm, that's a resentment. And why do we care about that? Because if you're worried about the resentment, it's blocking you from doing good 12-step work. The whole purpose of the first 11 steps is to do good 12-step work. Whole purpose. Let's look at column number two on the resentment sheet. We asked ourselves why we were angry. That, of course, is the next sentence in the big book. Column two, we asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. On our grudge list, which is what the big book authors are call, calling the resentment sheet, right? On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. So here's column three. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? And I have defined under column two, most of them it's in color, it's in red. I've defined on column, in column two, what the definition of those um, words are. Now, <clears throat> you have heard, I, I would imagine if you've been around for a little while, you always do 
top to bottom. You finish all of column one first before you go on to column two. So you'd write all the names down, Joe, Mary, Tommy, Sue, before you go to column two. How do we know that? Where does it say that in the big book? Right here. Back on the bottom of 64, when it said our column one, it says we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. That means you do all of them first. That's how we know that we go top to bottom. We're not working across. If you have a question on that later on, come see me. Okay, so now the big book authors give us an example of a three column sheet for resentments as a way of guiding us. You can do it this way. Uh, I know Paul D does it as a three column sheet. I've seen seven columns, I've seen, I've seen all sorts of machinations. Whatever you wanna do is cool. I tried to do it exactly the way I saw it out of the big book, but it's only an interpretation. So let's read the, the example we have here. I am resentful at Mr. Brown, the cause, his attention to my wife, affects my sex relations and my self-esteem manifested as fear. I am resentful at Mr. Brown, the cause, told my wife of my mistress, affects my sex relations, self-esteem manifested as fear. I am resentful at Mr. Brown, Brown may get my job at the office, affects my security and my self-esteem manifested as fear. Let's go on to the next one. I'm resentful at Mrs. Jones. She's a nut. She snubbed me. She committed her husband for drinking. He's my friend. She's a gossip. Affects my personal relationship and self-esteem manifested as fear. Next one, my employer. The cause, unreasonable, unjust, overbearing, threatens to fire me for drinking and padding my expense account. Affects my self-esteem manifested as fear and my security. I am resentful at my wife, misunderstands and nags, likes Brown, wants house, <laughs> wants house put in her name, affects my pride, personal sex relations, security manifested as fear. We went back through our lives, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. Sometimes that word is thrown back at me, meaning I haven't done my fourth step sheets because I want to be thorough. Baloney. That's procrastination. Mm -hmm. Thorough just means you get through it. Come on now. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. So if I've interpreted that as staying with the first three columns, if you stay with the first three columns only, you are going to be in the position where you are not going to get relief. It's going to be just repeating a story. Often, uh, and, and, and I'm not saying that all therapists are this way, Often there is an idea that in talk therapy, I tell you the story that somehow there will be a, tra a, a, a transformation on my part. Well, I, I personally don't feel as though that's often true. 
We just like to tell the story over and over. I want to tell you about Mr. Brown, and I want to tell you about Mrs. Jones, and I want to tell you about the employer. If you follow that pattern, after you're done with your story, you will feel just as bad and maybe worse. It all now requires us doing column four and column five. <clears throat> and I, the reason I went on that tirade was, is that's what I believe those last couple of sentences said in the big book. That's to, to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that the peop that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse and then we were sore at ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. So where would you get the maintenance and growth of your spiritual experience? 10, 11, and 12. Right? 10 and 11 include all the other steps with the exception of 12. 12 is all by itself. But you live in 10, 11, and 12. You get the experience. What, what does the ninth step promises tell us? Right? We will be recovered. Once we're recovered, how do we stay recovered? 10, 11, and 12. Most importantly, 12. I'm going to have to read that sentence again. I'm sorry. But with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. I read that as fatal. We, fa we, found, we found that it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit, holding the resentment shuts us off for the sunlight of the spirit, capital S, talking about your interpretation of a higher power. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. So if we hold the resentment, it shuts us off from the spirit and then what? We drink. And with us, to drink is to die. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be, they may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. We turned back to the list. In other words, we're looking back at the resentment sheet again. For it held the key to the future. The first three columns are not the key to the future. I make a joke all the time when somebody's telling me their fourth step and they're reading one and two. I'm not even paying attention. I am not listening. I am only interested in four and five. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. So if we normally look at it as, look at all these things that Mr. Brown did to me, Mrs. Jones, my employer, look at what they did to me. Now we're going to look at it completely differently. 
a different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us in that state. The wrongdoing of others, fancy, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill because the resentment blocked us off from the spirit and we went back to drinking and we died because there's only three choices, right? Jails, institutions, or death. There isn't D. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must, mandatory, be mastered. But how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. In other words, we're powerless over them. We have no choice over our resentments. We only have choice over the work we do, which could and would if we did the if we did the process. This was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. So seeing ourselves as the same, that we're brothers and sisters on the same spiritually sick ship. We asked God to help us show them the same tolerance. In other words, we couldn't do it on ourselves. We have to ask God. If we, if we could do it on ourselves, we would have done it. But because we can't do it, we have to ask God to help us show them the same, these are all assets, tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. So that is transformation. That is a psychic change. That is looking at these people differently. That we are one. We are one in the same. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, and this is a fourth step prayer. It's on the, um, it's in the fifth column of the resentment sheet. This is the prayer right here. This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. For further amplification of, of styles of prayer, I mean, you could go in a lot of different directions, but out of the big books, this is a big book thing, page 552. And that suggestion, um, uh, uh, Win Laws Quorum, maiden name, married name, Win, W-Y-N-N, Law, Quorum, writes that on 552, what she heard a, a preacher say about prayer. And that's, and who is the preacher? Norman Vincent Peale. So that's, that's top echelon stuff. That suggestion where basically you don't pray for something for yourself. You don't pray for the person to stop that behavior. You pray for everything that you'd want for yourself to be given to that person. That's how you pray. Might be other styles, but that's how the big book says we pray, right? Okay. We avoid, we're on 67, uh, first full paragraph. We avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful because isn't that really what we're going to do in step 12? It's only how we can be helpful to the world. Not what I can get out of the world, but what can I give back to the world? We cannot be helpful to all people. But at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Those are assets. 
referring to our list again. It's telling us to look back at the resentment sheet. Putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done. Columns one, two, and three, are they're gone. You can't look at them now. We resolutely looked for our own mistakes. So here's column four on the resentment sheet. This, this sentence right here. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? So you would then meditate and see if it intuitively comes to you how you were all of these things, we'll talk more about that later, all of these things in each one of the names you put down on this sheet and, and, and the cause of your resentment. Eat in each one of them, you were selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. And if you can't get, oh, I don't see where I was frightened with that one, don't worry about it. I have found that some, I, maybe I worked with somebody three months later, I figured it out. I came to, I got it. That's what, now I see where he was frightened in that example. Couldn't get it first. Sit on it. Meditate on it. So that was column four. Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? Here's column five. Next sentence. The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. So when you figure out what your fault is, maybe the fault is, is that that shenanigans happened because you were drinking. Hmm. There's a fault, but we're going to want to dig deeper than that, right? That's kind of a superficial thing. What I have found is that it's a very good bet that it's going to be selfishness and self-centeredness is going to be the root cause of all of these resentments. So let's do a quick example. So when I say you're going to have a part in every single one of them, you're going to probably come up with one that's going to be difficult to see your part in. So I just want to do one real quick. Just to start the wheels moving, it's your fourth step, not mine. I don't need to figure it out. You do, right? Let's just say you're a little boy and you were touched as a little boy inappropriately by the neighbor. And you write this out. Neighbor Joe touched me inappropriately. I was three. I fill out these, checked off these boxes. What is his part in that? holding the resentment. It's blocking him from the sunlight of the spirit, which doesn't allow him to contribute his full spiritual self to the world via step 12. So his, uh, his part in it would be selfishness, self-centeredness. To not be looking at the man doesn't mean he has to forgive. Doesn't mean that it does that we wouldn't maybe even take a path that maybe we see if if legally there's some things that need to be irrelevant. That go do whatever you is is correct, but we can't let the resentment control us from doing God's work. 
If you do, you are selfish, self-centered, no matter what the example you give me. Now, I would say, hold that thought. Uh, I would say that you could even say under that could be fear. <laughs> so if somebody said self-centered fear, if they said selfishness, or you get it. <clears throat> you need to really think about if you're willing to make the psychic change. And the psychic change would mean we're all brothers and sisters does not mean that there doesn't need to be a lawyer involved. I'm going through a divorce. Does not mean that you shouldn't hire the best hired gun out there to, to cut your best deal. If you're home staring at the ceiling about hating the son of a gun, that's the only thing I'm concerned about because it's preventing you from doing 12. Can we do that after? Can we do that after? Yeah. Correct. That that is it. That is a psychic change. Right. Totally. It's about looking at them like they're transcend they're a child of God and transcendence. Just because we're forgiving them doesn't make it right. It's the forgiveness part is for us. Yeah, and I don't even know if forgiveness is the right word. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's not gonna be allowed to block me from the spirit, okay. the sunlight of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the, the guy's a bastard. I got it. <laughs> but it can't be a resentment. If I'm refeeling it, we need to figure out what we're doing that's not allowing us to progress. And we're probably holding on to it for selfish, self-centered reasons or feel fearful reasons. Or both. So like, okay. so like when a resentment okay. is dictating, like, I'm not going to go to this party because they're because I have a problem with this girl that may or may not be there. And it's like, okay, well, I'll go do something else instead to avoid that. It's kind of like making your resentment your own high, your higher power. I'm going to teach all of the other people that did nothing wrong, <laughs> right? I, I could have gone to this thing and brought something special, but I'm not because Joanne's there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a resentment. Do you, do you want to do that? Okay, so um, we did uh, five there, right? We placed them, so all this stuff that we just talked about, we placed them before us in black and white, meaning we wrote them down. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set matters straight. So when we do get up to it, our eighth step, right? As soon as you've done with the fourth step, what have you done simultaneously? Your eighth. Because it's your eighth step list. Notice, so now we're going to go to the fear sheet. Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. Look how important the big book authors are talking about fear. But did we did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? 
Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. Okay, fear sheet. We're on page 68, first paragraph, first line. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. Column one. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. So, resentments refeel stuff from the past. Fear has not happened. I have fear I'm going to be divorced. I have fear I'm going to be fired. I have fear I'm not going to make enough money. I have fear I can't conceive. I have fear. It has not happened yet. It's a future event. Uh, we so column two, we asked ourselves why we had them. So you're going to write down what the fears are, go from top to bottom. I have fear of the IRS. I have fear of my employer. I have fear of my spouse. I have fear of uh, the stock market, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I have fear that I'm going to remain alone. I have fear that I'm going to feel lonely the rest of my life. Sure, 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 sure. Um, so column three, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-will, self-dependence. What are we trying to do? We're trying to get some dependence upon a higher power. Self-will does not fix problems that are beyond human aid. So we have to figure out where we're going to find aid, and it's going to come in the power, capital P. Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so. For we are now on a different basis. What basis? What the hell is he talking about? The basis of trusting and relying upon God. Notice it didn't say belief in. That's implied. Now it's dependence. It's trust. You have to prove it. You don't fill out the sheet. You don't trust. You don't depend. You're choosing your own gig. That's self or self-centered. This is saying that if you go through this process, you are trusting your higher power. So if you don't go through this process, you failed at that, right? You did the opposite. You did what self told you to do. I'm not really that into this whole thing. I, you know, Tim explained it. I kind of got it. I read it. It's cool. No. <laughs> we trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns just to the extent that we do, do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? So this, uh, you know, restless, irritable and discontentment can be replaced with serenity. And this is a formula of how to achieve that. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator, capital C. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. 
the verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. So to have faith means you have courage, but then you trust your higher power. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. So when we do 12-step work, we are demonstrating what he can do through our actions. Okay, column four, here it is. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. <clears throat> so that's on our, um, that's on our column four. You see the fear prayer. So every fear you list here, when you call up your sponsor and you just, you just want to flap your gums for a little while, and you say, yeah, yeah, I'm really afraid of the stock market and I'm going to lose my 401k, the answer from the sponsor should be, so say the fear prayer. So you would say, God, please remove my fear of stock market losses and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And if that doesn't work, repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And uh, I'll give you just another little side thing. I don't think it says it here, but um, find somebody else who has the same problem, the same fear, and go help them. Somebody shares from the floor and says, oh my God, I, I'm retiring, my 401k got crushed. Blah, blah, blah. Go up and exchange phone numbers and call that person 90 straight days. Do that one. Bet your fear goes away. Okay. So we just did resentments and, and, and fear, right? Here's sex. This is where usually people pay more attention. Now about sex. Many of us needed an overhauling there. But above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes. Absurd extremes, perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. But what can we do about them? So this is slightly out of order uh, based on the way I set up the sheet. This first sentence, we're on page 69, first full paragraph. The first line there is column two. We reviewed our own conduct over the past, over the years past. Column three, where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? So there you don't necessarily have to be all three of those. There's an or. We visited that in resentments, right? Where we saw and. You were all of those here, not necessarily. 
So uh, column one, whom had we hurt? So we saw that the first line was column two, second line was column three, third sentence was column one. Column four, did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitter bitterness? And column five, where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? So there's your five columns for sex conduct, sex harms. So you think about that, you know, who did you, you know, blow off or, you know, or whatever. I mean, I can't even like visualize a, a great example, but. Um, Excellent. Jealousy. Superb. Phenomenal. 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 That's a perfect example. It created bitterness. So I just did this. I just did this. And why did I do it? Well, because I was selfish, self-centered. I wanted to feel better about myself and I wanted to cause a little drama. Well, that is selfish, self-centered behavior. And it hurt the flirt -er, uh, flirty and it hurt the boyfriend or girlfriend. We got this all down on paper and looked at it. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our set future sex life. We subjected, this is a great um, uh, a question to always ask myself. We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? Because selfish self-centered is the root cause of everything. All our problems. We ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. That's a prayer. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised or loathed. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm. We're going to do that in step nine. Provided that we are not, that we do not bring about still more harm in doing so. That's a very important sentence to remember when we're doing nine. We will refer back to that. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, step 11, in meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it, meaning intuitively or a person will be put in our life and it's going to be crystal clear what the right step is, what the right thing to do next is. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean we are going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but this is only a half truth. It depends on us and our motives. If we are sorry for what we have done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and will have learned our lesson. I underline this one twice. If we are not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. We are not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. 
to sum up about sex. And this is the prayer that I put in column five. Here's the prayer. We earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity and for the strength to do the right thing. And then here's a great suggestion. And I happen to think it's the suggestion for everything. You can tell me it's sex. You can tell me it's fear. You can tell me it's money. You can tell me it's my spouse. You just stick in the word. It doesn't matter. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. So that's a solution to all problems. One of the recipes for the, the solving of all problems. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. If we have been thorough about our personal inventory, we have written down a lot. We have listed and analyzed our resentments. We have begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. So this is where I had that, I started that little conversation where I couldn't reconcile a separate list for harms, but we do need a separate harm column, really, because what if you've stolen money? That's not a sex thing, but it's a harm you've, you've perpetrated, right? So this is how I, I, this is how I came up with my interpretation. You'll notice at the top of the sex sheet, it's sex, sex conduct and other harms. So if you stole Sally's bike, that would go under other harms. You, you owe an, you're going to owe an amends on that bike if it can be made. So this is where I came up with the question. Here it is right here. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct. That's column one for harms other than sex. Comma. Here's column two. And are willing to straighten out the past if we can. That's column four. Within harms. And I worked it into that same sheet. So a sex harm and a financial harm, a theft harm, uh, stealing time, uh, those sorts of things. I, I screamed at somebody. I physically battered somebody. It would all go on this one sheet. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from. So self-will is the culprit. Self-centeredness. Self-will is what we saw as unmanageability. We're trying to manage via self-will a thing that's not manageable. It's beyond human aid. So failure will just repeatedly happen. If you have already made a decision, step three, one, two, and three, and an inventory of your grosser handicaps, in other words, we don't necessarily need to see such fine detail. We're looking for patterns. We're looking for your understanding of the root cause of your behaviors, grosser, bigger picture. You have made a good beginning. That being so, you have swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth 
about yourself. I'm just going to read out of the 12 and 12, just two paragraphs. I think it's great supplemental stuff, not necessary, but, you know, just looking for stuff. And uh, I'd like, thank you. Uh, I'd like to refer to uh, page 48, second paragraph, and we're going to read through 49, uh, the end of the first full paragraph. So it's three paragraphs. Now, let's ponder the need for a list of the more glaring personality defects all of us have in varying degrees. To those having religious training, such a list would set forth serious violations of moral principles. Some others will think of this list as defects of character. Still others will call it an index, index of maladjustments. Some will become quite annoyed if there is talk about immorality, let alone sin. But all who are in the least reasonable will agree upon one point, that there is plenty wrong with us alcoholics about which plenty will have to be done if we are to expect sobriety, progress, and any real ability to cope with life. To avoid falling into confusion over the names these defects should be called, let's take a universally recognized list of major human failings. The seven, the seven deadly sins of pride, greed, lust, anger, gluttony, envy, and sloth. It is not by accident that pride heads the procession. For pride leading to self-justification and always spurred by conscious or unconscious fears is the basic breeder of most human difficulties, the chief block to true progress. Pride lures us into making demands upon ourselves or upon others, which cannot be met without perverting or misusing our God-given instincts. When the satisfaction of our instincts for sex, security, and society becomes the sole object of our lives, then pride steps in to justify our excesses. All these failings generate fear, a soul sickness in its own right. Then fear in turn generates more character defects. Unreasonable fear that our instincts will not be satisfied drives us to covet the possessions of others, to lust for sex and power, to become angry when our instinctive demands are threatened, to be envious when the ambitions of others seem to be realized while ours are not, to eat, drink, and grab for more of everything than we need, fearing we shall not have enough. And with genuine alarm at the prospect of, of work, we stay lazy, we loaf and procrastinate, or at best work grudgingly and under half steam. These fears are the termites that ceasingly devour the foundation of whatever sort of life we try to build. So that's the importance of doing that work. So I just want to say one or two things. One is uh, you do need to have a sharing partner. You do need to have some sort of person that you can share with. It can just as easily be the person standing next to you. So you can just swap whatever you write down in these three sheets. It's not that big of a deal. What you're really looking for is your part in it. That's all that's really, really important. The other thing I would say that's important, I alluded to it at the very end, is to find the patterns. One of the patterns that I found is that I want to be loved. 
I had that, that pattern kept showing up on these sheets. I was like, wow, it was like a mind blower. You know, I spent thousands on therapy. They didn't tell me that. I got that out of the sheet free. So, um, so the, the thing that I'd love to see you do is to spend two hours and write this thing out and then spend an hour and a half or two hours and tell somebody it. And of course, the really important thing is not the story, not columns one, two, and three. It's that you figured out what your role was. Um, and then when we come back next week, we're going to do step five. We're going to explain how to do step five. So you're going to actually get two weeks to do this, to write it out and to share it with somebody over the next two weeks. So uh, again, we do have the list up front. If you just wanted an arbitrary person just to you know, nail this thing, you're gonna find that 92% of it's gonna be easy to tell somebody and you're gonna spend a lot of time staring at the ceiling at night, figuring out how you can get away with not telling these three things. <laughs> and it's really the three things of the meat and the potatoes. Right? So uh, uh, that's what gets you on the, get you on the path uh, to uh, ultimately being able to uh, you know, get through nine and that's where we have our, our spiritual experience.